Folks, welcome to another action-packed, CGI-free edition of Seishura, <laughs> the Music Explorers podcast. As always, I'm Scoop Magoop. I'm Jim Jam, and it's the uh, we, we have the most CGI-free podcast you'll ever listen to. <laughs> in, in fact, I mean, one could say that the visual component of our podcast is lacking. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, not, not to be, you know, self-criticizing, but... You know, I feel like I just need to point it out. But I only mention that because there's been a meme going around where it's like a the typical nerd in uh, like the meme format is like yeah. he changed my life and he's talking to the MCU and then it's literally just a green screen and he's like for real <laughs> like the MCU like you know anthropomorphized like for real. Um, yeah. But we are not here to talk about the MCU. Um, we are here to talk about another crop of eclectic new releases and this will be our final release roundup of the year and i think that we mm. have some pretty interesting conversations lined up um yes just to kind of round us out for 2021 uh you know kind of all over the map in terms of my thoughts here you know good bad you know somewhere in between and, and certainly some just interesting music and, and kind of context for each of these releases yeah i I mean i i think you know regardless of our thoughts on the quality of any of these albums i think we can definitely agree that they're all very interesting in their own right yeah absolutely um starting with our first one and this is going to continue the long-standing uh tradition of just having a a hard time pronouncing certain bands certain (laughs) artists so this is uh czar Three A's and I don't know what the two dots are called, but the middle. Like an, I guess it's an umlaut over yeah, the A. Yeah, over the so. middle A, and it's called Magica yeah. Zungla. So I guess that wasn't that bad. Um, yeah, this actually caught my eye because of the cover, which is not an. I don't think it's an original cover, but it is very interesting, surreal. Yeah, animals, primarily cats on the cover. You know, big cats on the cover. And it's very apt for the music contained within. Uh, this is a side project of Neptunian maximalism, which caught on. Was that last year or was that 2019? I forget. Yeah, it was. I think last year. Yeah. Um, I, I just remembered that their album Eons is was my probably one of my favorite albums of that year. I think it was in my top ten, um, and it's one of the few triple albums that I will like play. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's. Uh, it really caught on both for um, just kind of the scope of the release. I think it was just an impressive undertaking that people you know took notice of, but also the, the quality of it. Um, oh yeah, I think it was kind of build, which in some ways I can understand why it was built like this, but I, I think it's a little bit more. It basically just sun playing avant-garde jazz or free jazz uh yeah. I, I i think they're I mean, that was just kind of the you know for the, I mean, for the it, layman it's definitely like it like it's probably the simplest description yeah because I, I just don't yeah. think drone metal is not um i mean first of all it's not a super you know fecund genre so to speak i think there's, there's not a lot of players in it and i think just when people people think of it they think of sun anyway but certainly there's a lot more going on here i mean certainly you have you know pretty and this is i'm talking about eons uh pretty you know 
significant run times, a lot of interesting compositions, uh, certainly some dark jazz, some avant-garde tendencies around like a doomy, droney metal canvas. Uh, yeah. And so this project is a side project and very much carries yeah. on... It, so it's a side project, like, you know, I mean, so I, I don't know, did you read the, uh, the, the band camp description by any chance? Uh, I, I didn't, honestly. It is... It is really funny because it just you know it, it's one of those like art speak kind of oh, yeah, um, yeah. descriptions, uh, but they they described it as uh, born from a rib of Neptunian maximalism. Oh, actually, I'm <laughs> when, skimming it now. It's the reconquest yeah. of our savage side, the terrifying yeah. and primeval roar of a mind ravaged by magic drugs. Wow. Yep. I mean, that's, I mean, I, that's pleasant I, to I read. Only, I only bring this up because um, it, it's really not a side project. Um, because every Neptunian maximalism is here, except for one, like the drummer. <laughs> That's you, so you know it's what? Really, like, no, no, go ahead. I, I don't know. It, it's just like I, I guess it's technically a side project, but it, in my mind, it's like it, it feels like its own. Like I don't know. It, it's kind of like how hieroglyphics has um like um oh what's the name um. Oh, I can't remember the name. They, they do 93 till infinity. Um, yeah, I can't remember the name. Uh, Souls of Mischief. There we go. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, the, like, just, it, it, it doesn't really feel like a side project so much as it is, like, a um, collective within the collective. Well, well that's why I was going to mention, um, you know, obviously my thoughts on their music have been mixed over the years, but that's why I kind of appreciate Animal Collective's approach. Like, every... Mm. Every member of the band doesn't necessarily contribute to every project, or at least they don't contribute equally. That's why they kind of they frame it like that. It's a they literally just are up front. This is a collective, you know. Obviously, Panda Bear, you know, there are main players in there, but um, I again, I can't think of other specific examples. But this is something I've noticed some bands will do: is that they'll, you know, to your point, they'll create a quote unquote side project, but it's like virtually all the same members except yeah. for one which is i mean is that necessarily a bad thing i guess i just don't i don't get it well i i, I think there are a couple of additions as well like yeah. i think that they took a couple of musicians uh that concluded in it so i, I think that's but you could easily just say hey this is a neptunium maximalism project um, yeah i except, mean if, if you're yeah. going to describe the band if you're just going to name drop the band like that you might as well just I don't know. I mean, but yeah. I feel like I'm I'm kind of splitting hairs. I just found it really funny because you know it, it's not born from one rib of Neptunian maximalism. It's born from many ribs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's um, really funny. But I mean, all, all that to say is like you know I I I think you get kind of a good idea of of where we're going with this music to a point because I I feel like while while Eons was I I mean. You know, there's definitely like a freedom about it. You know, sort of a uh, like an unstructured quality to a point. There was still, nonetheless, kind of like an arrow pointing in a certain direction. Certain movements that were going up and down. Whereas this is like kind of I I wrote down that like, it's kind of like if if Neptunian maximalism just did like tribal ambient music, mm. basically, but like you know in their own way. So you know you have just <laughs> insanity just happening yeah. you know just lots of <laughs> lots of horns playing and just um kind of remind i mean again travel ambient and, and like sort of like 
dark ambient tendencies, you know, like where you, you'll hear like objects like clattering and there's just like a ton of reverb around it and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's sort of like it's 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 very much it's much more meditative than eons in a lot of ways. Um, but a- anyway, like <laughs> oh, also this is a technically a double album, which I think shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody who who knows about. Neptunian maximalism in eons already, but no, I mean, with this band, you have to expect multiple yeah. ten to twenty minute tracks, uh, which is just inherently yep. going to push to that runtime. Uh, and I will say, ultimately, that's I think that's where their music has always been a little bit challenging for me. Is just I mean, the, the it, these are just really long records. I mean, I really yeah. like the music at play here. Um, I love. I actually really love the expansion of what it means. And there are a number of bands doing this, you know, uh, Big Brave. Um, oh, there's a, a, oh, Divide and Dissolve. Uh, I mean, obviously Earth has kind of done their own take on what it means to be drone metal. And there are the other acts as well. Um, beyond just the the Sun O, like, I thought I was at a Sun concert, but instead I just heard a big fan. Um, you know <laughs> what I mean? So I, I appreciate that. I appreciate the, you know, the kind of the ancillary arrangements and different instrumentation they bring in you know the dark jazz elements are really interesting um but you have you have two track two 20 minute tracks on this that bookend the album and then in between the shortest track is is almost like just under nine minutes it's just a lot yeah. to take in uh and it, I think, it is i think that's i mean it, again it's hard i feel like when you talk about the length of an album it that's I don't want to say it's a weak criticism, but I think it just, I don't think it's the most important. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's a weak criticism that we bring up pretty much every time we review an album, but. <laughs> I know, but it's, it's yeah, it's, just, it's it, I feel so weird about it. And I, I know people, um, like I, I, there was someone, there was a discussion about this in, you know, our heavy blog, just community group. And someone said, basically, it, it's, it's more like it's a you problem, basically, is, is what he was arguing, is that you basically, you just like your short attention span you shouldn't no like that should no that's what i'm saying is that like yeah like this this is what the artist wanted to present and that's you know i i i feel like the if if there is um a definitive when it comes to talking about art um i feel like in this particular subject i think it's kind of in the middle because like you know the artist definitely has a choice you know and and like i I feel like there's definitely such thing as overkill and there's such like a stream trolling and there's such thing as just too much at once and you know not being able to kill your darlings but Mm -hmm. i think on the other hand there is kind of like you know not all of us have that ability to just sit for two to three hours or what have you and listen to an album and i I mean but i think i don't know if that's exactly attention span as much as it is kind of like you know we live in a society (laughs) and a capitalistic one at that and and i i think it's interesting um, I think when people talk about music, a lot of times you just have to take a step back and say, like, are you kind of carving out a lot of uh, slack or a lot of wiggle room because, like, of, of how you feel about this artist? Like, are you be obviously, mm-hmm. you know, none of us are truly objective about, I mean, I guess anything, but it's. Are you are you just saying this because you tend to actually like the album? I can think of that when people, you know, just when I'm talking with people about something, um, 
actually one of the artists we're going to talk about i feel like i I ran into some really disingenuous arguments just because of of who the band was um but yeah i mean it's an interesting conversation because i think with this style of music and and obviously other drone metal artists just because of the nature of the music you know obviously drone you're extending you're trying to be meditative or you know in the case of a band like sun being really heavy you know if you're trying to do something with you know sound and space and you know what how far you could stretch certain Mm. compositional techniques obviously you're going to run into a pretty pretty long project it's just how does that how does that how does that manifest in, in a listening experience and for me um it's something that i really enjoyed listening to i mean i love this album again i just love what this band is is you know, or the, the larger neptunian maximalism you know cinematic universe if we're going to bring the conversation full <laughs> circle i love what they're doing it's just am i going to put this on with any regularity you know probably not yeah but it's still I, mean, I i i like i own eons but like you know that doesn't mean i'm playing it every week but you know i will say that i will play it because i think it's really good but i'm, I'm yeah. totally in agreement that it's not yeah it, it's you know it, it's like a fine line you can't have it every night Exactly, and I think, um, I mean, I think an example I've always used is, you know, Swans, particularly the Seer, which is, is personally my favorite Swans record. Uh, I mean, I listen to that maybe once a year, but when I do, it's it's one of my favorite musical experiences of the year. It's just that mm-hmm. it's it's such a long, you know, dense, you know, really intricate album. You know, just the the, the nature of their music is very. Um, it, it's just there's, there's so much going on which is kind of in a similar way with you know this project is that even yeah. though you, you think drum metal you think simple I mean it's actually really well composed really textured really it's layered not, yeah. yeah exactly so. I, I think it's funny that I, I don't know I, I just never thought much about it droning as much as it kind of being more of like an I, I mean I, I guess what's I mean I I guess drone is technically like a technique as opposed to ambient which is like kind of like a description of like a feeling almost but like i, I mean all i say is like i i feel like i tended more to think about this in in ambient terms um yeah we call it we call it ambient metal or whatever yeah. I, I mean yeah. like you know it, it's kind of you know splitting hairs um because i, I mean what what's there is really great i i think it's just you know i i think it's just sort of coming at it with that with that mindset of like, okay, you're listening to like a drone, you know, piece, you're listening to like an ambient piece. Um, because I, I think when you have that in mind, it definitely gets a little more palatable. Um, because, you know, like, like, I don't know if, how you feel about this, but for me, like if I'm working or something like that, like I'm totally fine putting on like a two, three disc, like ambient piece or, you know, what have you, you know, because like, I, I, I love having that kind of, you know, environment. I like being in that atmosphere if mm-hmm. I'm working. Um, you know, it's it's just like it doesn't bother me as as much. Um, but you know, that being said, I have in my notes is this is long winded and pretentious and fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I mean, I think uh, I think that that was kind of the other side. And I'm not necessarily you know just to close off the topic we were talking about before. I'm not necessarily talking about this album specifically, but. That's the other thing is that on the one hand you could you know criticize the listener for being you know too short attention span you know not giving the music the attention it deserves. On the other hand, you could criticize the artist for kind of as you know 
expecting the listener to listen to, you know, however, however long, however dense the project is. And when you get to some pretty significant um, double albums or some significant run times, I think it starts to become a bit more and more of an ask, you know, mm-hmm. how much, how much you're expecting of the listener. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, I, I really, honestly, the, the most disappointing thing about this album for me is that it's not on CD yet. Or maybe ever. I don't really know. They, I don't know if you looked, I, I, yeah, yeah, I guess you didn't look too much into it, but it's a, um, it's like a split release between like three different indie labels. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah, so it's VW Sorcerer, who's um, one of whose albums we we reviewed earlier this year, um, uh, as well as I Void Hanger, and then there's a third one, and I don't remember the name, um, but yeah, it, I mean, it's just weird that they have it on vinyl, but they don't have it on CD. Um, That's so weird. It, because, I don't know because you think that it, it. I mean, this is. With, with like three different labels putting out this album at the same time well you, and also you would think, like how many lps are we talking like is, is it like a triple lp or yeah so i i don't really know how many lps uh it is um but it, it i don't know i i, I mean the split the idea of a split release is kind of cool especially just given how um important like vw sorcerer and i void hanger are when it comes to like you know indie experimental music right now um, it's yeah. I I don't know. I, I just really wish that there was a CD version because I would buy this shit. Because like I I love having like CDs like this around just to like pop on. So yeah, yeah. I I just it's uh, metal. It was either metal sucks or metal. I forget. There was one of the metal you know websites or magazines or something released uh or like posted a blog in time for record store day. And said, like, basically, I think it was like, you'll buy CDs and like it. And basically just talking about how the, just the way that everyone's infatuation and then, you know, ultimate exploitation of vinyl has just fucked everything all the way yeah. up. And just to me, I mean, I, I, it reminds me of that article we read a few years ago at this point, um, where a guy, you know, like a guy came into the record store saying, hey, like, I want this record. Do you have it on vinyl? Like, oh, we don't have a vinyl, but we have like several cheap CD copies. Like, ah, no, I want it on vinyl. Yeah. And it's like, is it about just owning the album and listening to the music, or is it about? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, people are, you know, I, they're they're given to their taste. I mean, you know, it'd be like if somebody tried to shove vinyl on me. I mean, I I wouldn't like that. But you know, I like it's it's up to the record labels, and I think that when it comes to putting out physical releases it's definitely a business strategy that they need to think smartly about depending on sort of their own audience and so i think you know they're they're doing what works best for them right now so who knows whether that might be a cd in the future or not but all this to say um i thought this was great i you know it's just you know it's it's just not um everyday listens for me yeah i mean it's definitely something that I would recommend if you're into more, um, you know, kind of complex, more intricate metal compositions. Uh, you know, and certainly this touches on a number of different genres as well. Definitely yeah. worth your time. Uh, just buckle up because it, it'll, yeah, it'll be a, basically. Di- a yeah, significant chunk of time. Um, yeah. Speaking of rich meditative experiences, uh, <laughs> our next record is... 
Music for Psychedelic Therapy by John Hopkins. Uh, as you, if you followed his career at all, you probably could tell from the title that this might be a little bit different. Uh, he's made his name, yeah. the name for himself as a producer. Um, I learned from the New York Times article you sent me. I didn't realize he worked with. He said he worked with like Coldplay and whatnot. Like yeah, I, I so actually I, didn't know that. Um, yeah, I was looking into that. Apparently, um, I think it was Viva La Vida that Brian Eno, but Brian Eno produced Viva La Vida, which I didn't know. I didn't um, know that either. Holy shit! Yeah, yeah, and so um, he ended up calling John Hopkins in, and I think they've been working together, you know, off and on since. Um, you know, I think he did like some keyboards and stuff like that on, on Theo Levita and, um, Interesting. but yeah, so yeah, he has his name as a producer. Um, but you know, he's also made a name for himself as just, you know, uh, like a house musician, like a micro house yeah. um, musician. Actually, I, I first was exposed to him. I don't know if you remember, but I forgot this was even a thing, um, until I was looking into his music and I recognized the album cover, but one of the songs from his album Insides was remember when iTunes used to do like oh every week you could download a, like a single for free? Yes, there was yes, a, I do. There was an album I don't remember what song, but there was a song from this his album Insides that downloaded for free. I mean, at, at the time I don't think I fully appreciated, but I definitely thought it was cool. Um, and then years later, he released what is probably his most well known album today, to date being um, Immunity. Immunity, which you know yeah. kind of. Uh, stirred the electronic you know was kind of the you know the go-to electronic music inclusion amongst you know you know pitchfork included you know their their top albums of the year list for example and those kind of sites you know it was kind of the go-to like oh we gotta include an electronic album and like that was that was that fit the bill for that year um yeah, i mean it was well, well deserved no yeah for you, sure it was well deserved yeah. just interesting how you know that kind of captured you know, it was kind of micro house ambient you know idm like kind of in the the fortet vein in a way uh his follow-up singularity i enjoyed that as well um yeah i me too but i i still like immunity a lot more yeah um but i mean i i do i wouldn't mind getting both of them at some point mm -hmm. um but yeah so he just he just comes out with like this thing just out of the clear blue and it's you know described people use the term i think rhythmless which is such a lame word to describe an ambient album <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, yeah, the whole thing is, is inspired by, you know, sort of his own experiences with, like, psychedelia and sort of, like, psilocybin experiences and um, that sort of, you know, um, side of spirituality, I guess. Um, I mean, you, you hear it a little bit. Um, I think probably the last track, um, uh, Sitting Around the Fire, Sitting Around the Fire is the most obvious because you have uh, little vocal clips of uh, Ramdas, who was um, he was like a kind of like a guru, spiritual leader of sorts. He worked with like Timothy Leary back in like the 50s and 60s and then kind of like went to India and like sort of discovered himself and yeah, and he like died a, I think a few years ago now. But mm -hmm. yeah, so it, you can hear that a lot in that particular track. But a lot of this is just very much just an ambient album. Um, but it, you know, I I don't know about you, but like I I mean I I'm very interested in psychedelic therapy and you know like sort of the psychedelic experience in general. Um, and I I'm like you know the the title I just found the title intriguing because I'm like is this like is it purposefully composed for like psychedelic therapy 
because like that would be so fucking cool <laughs> um i mean listening to it it definitely sounds like it is <laughs> yeah no i mean i just completely taking all the context out just you know if, if i just listened to this record i mean the words i would have used were you know, like just i mean a lot this probably could be said about other ambient records or you know definitely could be said about other ambient records but you know meditative you know tr- transportative you know definitely could you know could put you in a certain drug like or you know you know transfixing mindset like i think that knowing the context was mm. definitely like it helped with the experience like i definitely focused on those themes while i was listening to it but i think that he did an excellent job of the way that he the, the way that he produced this i mean I, I just think it really captured um and actually i really appreciate that we put a little bit more effort into the the general context of this overall like reading that article from the new york times like i i feel like he it's one of the reasons I appreciate Tim Hecker so much is I feel like he really goes all in on the things that he yeah. does to you know record his records and this is definitely For the sure. case. I mean, I, I honestly I was a little freaked out by the whole climbing down into caves with bats and tarantulas and whatnot. Like that <laughs> that detail really was. I thought it was cool, but I also was like it kind of gave me some anxiety. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just thought it was it was really really interesting and. To me, this was kind of one of those, like one of those passion projects that worked out in a way. Like you could definitely, like reading, I mean, listening to it, it definitely you could you could hear the care that he put into it. But just reading more about how much he put into this, and I, I just I think it worked. You know, I, I really yeah. am impressed with with what he accomplished on this record, and it's definitely one of my favorite um, Ambient releases I've heard. In a, in a little bit i mean I, I i really really enjoyed this and i'm glad you um i don't know if i would have listened to it otherwise i mean i, I, I probably i would have i i actually was gonna try to get this reviewed by us yeah regardless of the context of it mm. so <laughs> yeah yeah i mean just just because i've uh i think i've been gravitating more towards you know more direct releases so to speak but i uh i really really I'm glad we listened to this because I, I thought it was excellent. Um, yeah, the, there were just so many little. I mean, they, they there's so many individual parts that I can just like pick at, you know, it, which is really impressive because I think sometimes, you know, ambient can suffer from like sort of like a you know homogen like homogeneity, I guess. However, you ooh, pronounce that. That's a three dollar word. Um, yeah, well, I you used uh, fecund earlier, so I, I didn't give you credit for that. But <laughs> well, you know what? It's not a competition. Yeah. We're we're a team, or is it? Um, <laughs> so there's gonna yeah, be like, like a virtual I'll, scoreboard at the I'll end say of it. Yeah, like ambient can can sometimes feel a little homogenized in some cases, um, but I think you know Hopkins such, does such a great job here of of being able to create these really singular moments throughout that at the same time feel like they all belong together and it never feels like it interrupts the experience like even when Ram Dass comes on at the end um, on the final track you know it doesn't feel like it's this thing he's like forcing on you in a way it, it just feels like a very much like an organic sort of outcome of the entire album um, 
and like you know the, there's that suite of uh ecuador tracks that are they're all called from like that field recording that he did um and just yeah there are just so many great little moments my my favorite is um there's this uh, in the track arriving there's like this humming that's going on like this person humming that like gets to me every time like because it it it, it I remember reading the uh, I think this popular science did uh, like a cover story on psychedelic therapy um, a while ago, and they described sort of I think it was Princeton psilocybin um, research that they've been doing, which is magic mushrooms for anybody who doesn't know about that. Um, but he was describing this this one part where you know this person was was you know on psilocybin. And, you know, sort of about to kind of lose it. And um, I think one of the head researchers just sat down with him on a couch and just, and just like, basically just hugged him. And, like, that's kind of what that brings to my mind. Like, this little humming is just, like, someone just, like, holding you and saying it's okay. And I'm, like, like I, I almost cried, like, when I was when I heard it, like, the, like the first and second time, actually. Because I'm, like, oh, like, like, that's just so touching. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, well, it it just felt like so like ah, like it, it's it's like that kind of like intimacy that and, and I mean we're, we're talking about like sound here we're talking just talking about somebody's somebody making this track it's not like it's not like John Hopkins is reaching out of the fucking stereo like you know Cronenberg style yeah. and trying to hug me you know yeah it's you know it, it is just just like to have that 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 feeling I don't know it's just really powerful I that like this thing was just really amazing i i really really love this thing um i mean probably my favorite ambient album of the year um yeah it, i mean it really like I, I i i every time i've checked domino's um website domino recording company's website they uh it, it's out of stock at the moment but m maybe that's just there because i, I mean i really want to get a copy of this so <laughs> yeah i uh Again, really glad that we checked this out. Um, I, I just, I, if you're at all interested in ambient music, and even if you're not, I mean, I just think the, the way that this was created, you know, the, the care that he put into this. I mean, he's a extremely talented producer in his own right. So, and it's not that he, not like he was a stranger to ambient music, but um, at least hit the parts of a discography I've been exposed to, this is by far the you know the most direct um yeah attack you know the, his most direct ambient album which is kind of an oxymoron i I, but. I feel like if this is the album that hopkins has been wanting to make for a while like i feel like this is like if, if he just did nothing but ambient for the rest of his career like i i would like applaud that choice just based on this album alone so <laughs> yeah absolutely um but anyway we're gonna we're gonna move on um speaking of uh fantastical um experiences uh speaking a of garbage yeah yeah <laughs> speaking of fantastical uh and if you've ever heard of uh, asot's fables uh speaking of asot's fables uh <laughs> we're talking about the new record from asop rock and blockhead and you might be asking um this is stuff you know something definitely someone would say but wait don't Blockhead and Aesop Rock collaborate a lot? You're right. 
They've collaborated for years, actually. For you know, it's definitely increased over time. But this Garbology is the first time that they have done a full project together, which I actually thought was kind of it was a bit of a surprise. Well, like I, I remember when they so. No, go ahead. I, I mean, uh, sorry. I, I always I always feel like I interrupt you. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> um, I was gonna say that I you know. I, I remember him doing like most, if not all, of the production on like early Aesop albums. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, around the time of Skeleton, I think maybe even a little, like I think around that time, he's uh, Aesop started sort of doing his own production. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, like this is kind of like the first time that they're kind of like back together. But it's also the first time that this is billed as, you know, like it's actually billed as a collaboration as opposed to just being an Aesop album. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think the, yeah. the fact it was billed as a collaboration at first kind of gave me pause because to your point, I was like, hasn't Blockhead done, you know, the majority of productions since, you know, at least Labor Days? And, you know, that that is true. But, um, you know, like you said, Aesop has definitely, you know, over the years taken on more and more of his own production. Um that aside, I was really excited for this because of how much I love, I mean, you know, my first, the first real Aesop record that, you know, won me over was None Shall Pass, and some of the best beats and, you know, but uh, the, the majority of the beats on that record were produced by Blockhead. And in his own right, um, he, he's just a really, really strong producer. Like, he's done some, some... You know, some of his solo stuff, but particularly Billy Woods is one of my favorite. Like, he's kind of like a, a mix between a rapper and a spoken word artist, though his delivery is very <laughs> unique. Um, his record, Dower Candy, was 100% produced by Blockhead, and it's one of my favorite. I think it's one of the more underrated hip hop records of, of the last decade. Um, so, with all that said, you know, especially with, you know, Aesop being on kind of a terror the last few years, you know, obviously. Um, Malibu Ken, and then you know he went on to um, Spirit, yeah. Spirit World Field Guy. Yeah, so he's really yeah. been on a little bit of a prolific streak. He usually has you know somewhat of a gap between his releases, but he's been you know pretty relatively prolific by his standards. So I was excited to check this out, and um, I think it delivered on the promise that Jazz Hands, the lead single gave out i mean i think this really kind of fits that that mold of not a lot of uh not a lot of frills i mean you have one feature from homeboy sandman which comes pretty late in the album uh by the way homeboy. i'm pretty sure there's one other feature and i can't figure out who it is because I, I i can't remember the track but there's a point where there's there are two different voices and i'm pretty sure that doesn't aesop actually want, i i you're right oh, uh, d- billy woods does some additional we, vocals on okay all right. Legetter Mame, and then Rob Song yeah. does vocals on Flamingo Pink. So, but who, who was the last one? Uh, Rob Sonic, who he's he's, okay, collab- you he's know collab- That's so funny because I was going to say Rob Sonic. Yeah, he's, he's on. He's collaborated sure. with Aesop quite a yeah. bit over the years as well. I, I think he's on like he's been on like almost every Aesop album over like the last like five or six years. Yeah. So, um, uh, not to mention that they have their own like Hail Mary Marin. Um, or Hair Mary, Mary Malone or yeah. whatever yep. project, which is really good. Um, um, but Yeah, I mean, this is kind of one of those projects where, I mean, I don't really have any real criticisms, but also um, I, I, just, I thought this was a good project. I mean, it was not, it didn't have as many 
bells and whistles. Uh, you know, for me, my favorite Aesop records are Skeleton and Nutshell Pass. And I think kind of not unsurprisingly, those are his two most eclectic projects. Personally, I think there's a little bit, there's a quite a bit of variety there. And also, I don't think that they're overly long. I mean, I think this benefited from being under an hour. Um, it was pretty straightforward, you know, some really, you know, identifiable, you know, high quality blockhead beats, some, you know, nice Aesop rock rhymes. And again, there wasn't a lot of other, you know, wasn't a lot of other stuff at play necessarily. Um, I think he let his rhyming speak for himself. Uh, for me personally, Aesop's hooks have always been hit or miss. I think that's another thing I like about Nutshell Pass. Yeah. I think the hooks are very memorable and, you know, some of his, some of his funniest, some, some of my favorite of his. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think this is a bad record at all. Uh, I think it delivered pretty much what it set out to do. Uh, I think it was enjoyable. I'm really glad it exists. Um, could it have been a little bit more adventurous? Maybe, but I, I in some ways... I kind of like that they kept true to what they said they were going to do. You know, this is a collaboration. It's Blockhead. It's Aesop. I mean, obviously you have the the one feature from Homeboy Sandman, but uh, I think that actually makes sense because they are kind of in the same cinematic universe uh, since we're using that term for this episode. <laughs> um, and he just released uh, a really, really strong EP. So I think, you know, in some ways it's a kind of a, hey... You like his feature here? Why don't you check out his latest release? I know, you know, sometimes people like to do that if they're on the same label or they're just kind of in the same, yeah. same I mean, sphere. I, Homeboy Sandman's been on, like, every Aesop album lately, too. Yeah, yeah. So, so <laughs> I mean, ultimately, that's, uh, you know, that's kind of where I stand. I, again, nothing bad to say about this. Uh, could it have been a little bit more... Could there have been a little bit more juice? I, I suppose, but I think what's here is very strong... And I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I, I, if you like Aesop, I don't see how you couldn't enjoy what's going on here. So that's kind of where I stand. But I'm interested to hear what you think. Yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm not as positive, honestly. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I, I just like there are some really good moments throughout it. Um, you know, I definitely enjoyed it the second time more than the first, but. You know, it just like it, it. A lot of it just felt like a like a lack of effort almost. Um, like it just kind of sounded inconsistent in in a lot of ways, and um, like, I mean, you you mentioned that like Ace, like you know, his hooks can be hit or miss, and I feel like the hooks here are mostly miss. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I don't know about you, but like I I feel like like where Aesop Rock shines is is in his verses, like in his bars as opposed to his hooks. Um like, you know, and, and I, I feel like most of his hooks as of late, and I'm not even talking about this, I'm talking about like, you know, Malibu Ken, I'm talking about Spirit World Field Guide too, are like very like like it, they they feel really forced. I think maybe that's a better like maybe that's a better description for this album is like a lot of it feels kind of forced in some ways. Like it, it, I don't know. It, it just feels like they're almost running out of steam. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I like, can just to interject real quick. I, I mean, yeah, you know, go for it. Dunshell pass, um, you know, catacomb kids, 
you know, bring back Pluto, like, you know, they, those have some really memorable hooks, you know, ZZZ Top, uh, Crows, yeah. like, yeah, I, I mean, there's just a number of hooks where I think you're totally right that over the years has not, uh, yeah, has just not been, but uh, that's always, I've always been interested in that because I wonder if he just leans in the fact that people come to him for his rapping, for his, you know, his, his lyricism and that. Well, he, but even that, like, I felt like that was kind of off too. I mean, like, I, I think I noticed, like, I, I noted in our Spirit World Field Guide review that, like, there were a couple of, like, you know, bars that were just, like, really questionable and that, like, in terms of, like, quality almost. Like, it doesn't, like, it, and I got, like, a number of them here that I actually wrote down, like, um, Flamingo Pink, you laughing because I'm different. I'm laughing because you're the same. I'm like, like, that's like, like a 13 year old would, yeah. would say that. Uh, I got, I got a cat named Kirby. She can rap good too, on, on the the track difficult. Um, I, I I think the hook. I mean, part of the hook on O Fudge is just I eat a whole goat, <laughs> which is kind of <laughs> funny. But you know, then um, on Fizz. We are not the same. Heaven is a lie. I think you a lame. Let me get a fry. <laughs> and I'm just like, like, Aesop is like, I mean, I, I, unquestionably, you know, like one of the most verbose and like, you know, interesting lyricists hip hop has ever had and probably ever will have, honestly. And like, it, it's just really like, like his game just feels off at times. Like other times it feels like, you know, on point here, mm-hmm. but like there are just these moments that it feels like it falters. And it's like the same thing with Lockheads beats. Like there are some really great points, uh, you know, all through it. Like there's this Wawa, uh, guitar line on, uh, Ledger or Ledger domain. Um, and on like, Oh fudge, like the, uh, the guitar and the synth combination that you do there. It's like really great on all day breakfast. There's like this line that I think is done by an Ood. That was really cool. Uh, the the uh, abandoned malls, like that whole beat, is really cool. Like I I love how they really took that theme and like really made it a part of the song. Um, you know, but then you have a track like Wolf Piss, where like that bass line just goes for the entire friggin' song, mm-hmm. and it's like it's one of those bass lines that's like really interesting, like the first like five times. But then when you repeat it for the whole fucking song, it really loses steam really fast. And it's just, yeah. Like, there are definitely more positive moments than negative on this thing. Um, And I'm I'm, I'm not going to say that this is terrible because, I mean, like, I I feel like Aesop's, like, and Blockhead's, like, I feel like their worst material, especially together, is still, like, you know, like, superb material by normal standards in a way. Um, it's just like I I guess compared to that, this just is really lacking, and it just it it it's like you know you know that they're capable of so much more in a way, and it makes me wonder whether this is just like a um like a quarantine album in a way. Yeah, I mean, it. I mean, I don't want to say this sound. Because I mean, I, I do really like this. The, the, there's there's yeah. nothing here that I inherently dislike. Um, I don't want to say it was like rushed or anything like that, but I, I think that's a 
That's not a bad hypothesis. I mean, for me, I... I think this would have been improved if it was, you know, Aesop Rock, Blockhead, like this collaborative album, but it wasn't... I mean, it really did feel like they took that a little too seriously. I mean, the, the, one, the thing for me that kept it from going, you know, over the edge was, I mean, bring in a few more features, you know, bring in... You know, maybe Blockhead is still the producer, but you bring in some co-producers. Uh, I mean, the, on Nunshell Pass, for example, um, L- LP, you know, produced some beats or provided some co-production here and there, and like those tracks, they definitely still fit the vibe of the album, but they were a little bit different. That a little bit, you know, kind of had that LP flavor. Um, and uh, you know, I think they're. You know, I, I I don't really know if it's it's a matter of like getting more variety in there, like in terms of personnel. Because I think both of them are more than capable of making a great album. I just feel like maybe, you know, maybe this thing... I mean, I, I think part of it is th- this thing was pretty long. You know, I wonder if maybe you'd trim down some tracks if you just cut some. Um, you know, I, I, I feel like that would be, you know, that could probably help some things. But I think just... I, don't, I, I, I guess the thing is it's more like it feels like a lack of effort. Like, it almost feels like they're like, oh, hey, you know, we're back together. Like, you know, I, I'm sorry we broke up. <laughs> but, um, you know, it it, it it just feels like that, like, it, it's, it's almost like they were so excited maybe at, like, working together again that they were just like, no, fuck it. Like, let's just go and, you know, like, like everything we do will be great. And it's like, that's not always true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, like, it just felt like that there wasn't a ton of, like oversight, you know, there wasn't a ton of like looking back and being like, "Hey, maybe this track doesn't make maybe this bass line, you know, needs to change a little bit," you know. Um, but it's just it, it, that's what I mean. It's just like it's just like these little things, but these little things that add up. Um, yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. And I mean, I I don't think it sounded as as long as you know. I mean, literally, it wasn't as long as some of his more recent projects, but. I think it, yeah. it definitely would have helped if there were, you know, even just you know, like you know, with uh, the uncluded, he has uh, what's her name, uh, Kenya Dawson. I forget her name, but like, she she did a hook on Skeleton. Like maybe she could have done a hook here. Like I feel like oh, is she the one from Racing Stripes? I think so. She also, um, what was she known for? She was actually in a group. That we talked about in Meet Me in the Bathroom. Yeah, uh, Kimya Dawson. She was in Moldy Peaches. Um, oh, okay. And they, yeah. they have a they have like a folk rap project called The Uncluded, Aesop and her, uh, okay. which is pretty cool. Uh, but like for, yeah. for example, like there's you know I'm not saying her specifically, but someone like that, someone that he's collaborated with before, or like who might make sense in the broader broader scheme of, um, your broader scheme of the of the album just someone again you don't have to displace the whole Aesop blockhead collaboration but just have someone else to help break up the uh, I, I mean that, that's one of the reasons the features are such a big thing in hip-hop because it's just it, it, it can get pretty stale if you just have kind of the same like literally the same voices but also you know kind of the same flavor of production see I I see what you're saying, but I, I don't totally agree because, I mean, I can just point at something like Idea and Abilities where, like, I, I don't think there's a single Idea and Abilities album where they even have a guest, you know, let alone, like, 
another person doing production. Mm-hmm. And, like, all three of those albums are really good. Um, you know, but, I mean, like, the third one, like, By the Throat especially, is, like, you know, I, I think what makes that album so strong is that it's super tight and that they're really just, like, keeping it bare bones. And, like, so, like, everything is there is absolutely necessary and, like, just, just you know, done to its best degree. Whereas, like, I think here it's just... Like, it, it felt like just th- there wasn't a ton of, you know, them, you know, looking back and being like, okay, should, you know, what should we do here? Um, you know, and the, like, just sort of thinking about, like, like I guess it, it feels like the editing process was was skipped over in some ways. Which is interesting, because it's, it's only 50 minutes, which, I mean, his recent projects have been, you know, comfortably over an hour. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was a... A cool album, but I also, yeah, I, I just, I, I was surprised that there wasn't a little bit more in the way of variety, kind of to spice things up a bit. Yeah. But I think the the structure of here was ultimately good. It was enjoyable. Um, yeah, I, I mean, think it, it was. It, look, it, yeah. it, it's cool to see these guys work together again. So. Yeah. Yeah, but. Speaking, uh, I, I can't wait to talk about this. Yeah, because, speaking of people working together, um, this was <laughs> immediately low hanging fruit. Yeah, Scott. I know. But you know what? It, but it, it 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 fits, and I think it'll be yeah. a core tenet of our conversation. Um, yes. So speaking of people working together, uh, the new Converge album, Blood Moon One, I suppose, because this is the first in a series. God help us all. Um, it, it, is it? Uh, I because mean, I mean, I, I mean, the name implies it, but I haven't heard anything whether it is or not. So, the reason this happened, you know, well, I mean, first of all, this makes sense because it's Converge, Chelsea Wolf, and Stephen Brodsky. I mean, there are you know a couple other people involved as well, but the there are everyone. I think um, Ben Chisholm, which. I don't know if I immediately recognize. So I guess just one other person. Um, I guess he is kind of like a engineer, producer, someone who work, has ah. worked closely with Chelsea Wolf. Um, okay. There's a lot of overlap between the members of Converge. Uh, Stephen Brodsky, who is obviously the the, the front man of Caven. Um, Chelsea Utah Wolf, man. you know, I think Brodsky and obviously Ben Chisholm would just mention work closely with Chelsea Wolf. Obviously, you know, Mutoy Man, like you said. I think there's at least one other side project I'm forgetting that the band, you know, the members have been involved. They're, they're, they, they have a bunch of different side yeah, projects that they all exactly. work together in. Yeah. Um, but specifically, it was Roadburn. Um, it couldn't have been. It, it was a few years ago because of obviously COVID and whatnot, but they pre- they performed a special set. You know this yes. configuration, yeah. um, and it was called Blood Moon, with, and it basically with was, uh, Steve Von Till from Neurosis. Yeah, and it was who yeah. who is appeared on a number of uh, you know post metal converge tracks, so to speak. Um, so they produced or they performed, I think, like slowed down, like reinterpretations of Converge's discography as part of the performance, and I guess you know, in a similar vein as other you know kind of one-off collaborations producing something more, they announced this record. Uh, they released the self-titled, or the, the rather the title track, lead single, a few months ago. And personally, I really enjoyed it. 
I really liked what they were doing. I really, I liked the way that they came together. You know, Chelsea Wolf hasn't really screamed Scott, like. Scott. Yeah. I have. Have you? Uh, have you watched the video for that by any chance yet? I, I, I'm not really a video guy, <laughs> so I still haven't really. I know. I, you I know neither it, am I, but like that that video is something to watch because it is it is pretty awkward looking. <laughs> okay, I will. I'll check it out again, or I'll I'll, I'll yeah. check it out. Um, but. Anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> it. Um, I don't know. It, it caught my ear because obviously, I mean, this is not totally new for Converge. Every album since at least Jane Doe, I haven't really spent a ton of time with the pre-Jane Doe material, but every album since Jane Doe has had at least one or two of these kind of more slower post-metal leaning tracks that are you know kind of you know slowed down, have a little bit more um, you know more of like a sludgy tone or post-metal tones. So sometimes a little bit more melodic. So I guess it wasn't that surprising. And again, genuinely, I really, I really enjoy Blood Moon. You know, you have Chelsea Wolf, you know, kind of screaming in a way that you haven't heard since, you know, some of her earlier stuff. Um, you know, I think it was. Was that her screaming? I thought that was, I thought that was Bannon. I think of the latter half of that track, she, she, she lets out a few screams. Um, huh. Huh. But my one concern going into this is would a full album of post metal converge keep my interest would blood moon being the lead single would 11 tracks of this stay good and i don't like being right but <laughs> my concerns I mean, basically everything I was afraid of played out on this record. Um, really? I that, that's surprising. I honestly, I took pretty extensive notes on this because you know I, I love Converge. I'm, I'm a huge Converge fan. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I think that they're you know one of the the best, most important, whatever you want to you know whatever praise you want to heap on them. I won't I won't push back at all. Uh, I thought this was probably the the first real misstep of their career for me. I mean, I I I was. In some ways, I wasn't surprised, but then the more I thought about it, I was really surprised given how much these guys have collaborated. This sounded really, speaking of, you know, phoned in, this, some of these tracks just sounded really, I don't know. I want to get into specifics, but I, I, that's just my high level takeaway. I want to hear your thoughts first. Yeah, man. So I guess, um, you know, going into it, because we, we were talking about this um, when it got announced um because you were you really liked the title track and i was like yeah i did not enjoy this but i think part of it was because of the video because i was just like they they, they literally just stand in place for the whole video it feels like (laughs) and it's like i don't know it, it kind of the whole the whole song kind of sounds like converge goes goth in some ways um but anyway like um I think, you know, before I get to sort of my thoughts, um, I, I, I will say that I, I don't think this thing is, like, entirely, like, slow sludgy. Like, there are definitely some tracks in here, like, you know, like, there are parts in the tracks, at least, that speed up. Um, you know, but then you have a track, like, um, I'm trying to remember, I think Tongues Playing Dead is is pretty upbeat for, you know, all things considered. Um, but... So, 
I'm 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 in agreement. Like I I really I was not a huge fan of this thing. Like I I don't think it was bad, but it it really wasn't like I I I think my biggest thing was just like I was just very apathetic towards it. Like it just it just didn't do a lot for me. And um, I mean I I don't want to be this 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 person, but I I think Chelsea Wolf honestly has a big part of that. Yes. Like I, I, oh, I feel thank you. like yeah. Yeah, like, like I just it, maybe it's just because I haven't been I really haven't been a big fan of like her latest few albums. I mean, to be fair, I really haven't listened to a ton of them, but I just haven't really been a big fan of like sort of like that metal direction that she's taken. Um but yeah, it, it yeah, I I don't even know where to go here. Um Can... I it, it it often feels like like okay, like um, I on, it, it, honestly, it, it, I I have a track by track breakdown, so I don't know if. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I mean, like, like if you want me to, it sounds like you're. Do you want me to step in, or well, do you want to? I I mean, I I have some 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 things I wouldn't mind sort of tackling yeah, before yeah, we for sure. absolutely get into that. I mean, I I think um, you know, I I mean, I I think on the positives, I think everybody's performance is is really great. Um, you know, I don't think there's anybody who doesn't give it their all here. And I think on top of that, you know, Kurt Ballou is just, you know, an amazing producer and, you know, just recording engineer and just really, really does a great job recording this whole thing and making sure that it's just crunchy and nice. Um, but, you know, on the songwriting level, I think is just where things really falter. Mm. And I think part of that is just because I, I, I think whenever Chelsea Wolf kind of, you know, I, I, like it's almost like you can you can actually like hear her contributions in a way. Because like the track just slows down, you know, and you you can hear this literally in uh, the track "Visor of Men" that like it starts off like a regular oh. converge song of just like going full throttle, balls to the wall, and then it just like fucking hits a fucking wall. Can I, can and I, just, can I make one comment? Yeah. I timed it yeah, go for because it. you know I've listened to this you know, a number of times. Obviously, it was exactly <laughs> that is the only like you said. There are moments where like the the tempo picks up a little bit. That was literally, and I, I will put my flag in the sand for this. That was the only true converge moment on the entire record. It was <laughs> eighteen seconds. You had like the you know the Ben Kohler drum fill and like you know the the screechy, screechy guitars, and then you know Jacob comes screaming in, and then it like you said, it just stops. It just absolutely comes to a crashing halt, yeah. and it was just so jarring. Yeah, I, I, and I I don't understand why that was chosen to be like that it just makes like it, it, it just killed the momentum entire like literally you know it, it yeah it's it just like a, a lot of these like structural songwriting choices were just bizarre um but then you know you have a track like um like tongues playing dead which I, i'll admit that i i definitely liked a little more listen to it like a second time but like it doesn't really feel like a mute like it, it doesn't feel like a converse track it feels like a mutoid man track Honestly, like it, it doesn't, it feels like more like something, you know, it, it feels like Brodsky was like really in charge of that track in some ways. Um, I think it's just like, it, it, like it, it's almost like the songs don't really know what to do, but like, they, like it's, yeah. like it, it feels like it's, it's, it's almost like there's too many collaborators to, to, there's too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. You know? No, for sure. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, I, I will say, I, I think if Chelsea Wolf 
like wasn't on this album, I feel like it might have actually been a little more interesting. Hon- um, honestly, yeah, yeah, I, that. So if if I can quickly run through, yep, yeah, um, go for it, yeah. So there are three tracks I actually really enjoyed. Uh, unfortunately, they were tracks six, seven, and ten. So that's kind of in the latter half of the album. Uh, yeah, Lord of the Liars, I thought was by far um, the best synthesis track, and I'll explain that in a second. It just felt like a happy medium of like mid-paced converge, you know, Chelsea Wolf singing. Like it, Lord of the Liars is pretty much what I was hoping like best case scenario like it kind of Mm. that felt like the best meeting of the minds and i thought it was a good track my favorite track was failure forever unfortunately it just sounded like a cave-in track like it sounded like (laughs) a pretty good like cave-in b-side where jacob bannon happened to be singing like it just didn't it didn't feel like it it didn't feel like it belonged on like a collaboration album of of, like that was built this way it just it, it was it, it was one of those, like, I like this, but I'm kind of, it doesn't really fit. And then I thought Crimson Stone was pretty, pretty nice melodic track, you know, where Chelsea Wolf shown a little bit. But other than yeah. that, man, um, speaking of Chelsea Wolf, I mean, she didn't add a ton when she was here. And there's, starting with Scorpion Sting, and then Damon and Blood Dawn are, like, a little bit better. That was a brutal stretch where they were just a bunch of like just real like I wrote down snoozer, like they were just really really <laughs> like lifeless Chelsea Wolf led tracks. Um, again, yeah, that eighteen second burst of conversion of Viscera of Men, I, I, they they just I wish they just didn't include it because after yeah. it came right after Blood Moon and I was like oh shit like there was actually going to be some conversion here and that literally was the only eighteen second stretch where it felt like a real converge album and you know what was weird is i thought viscera of men and coil specifically but then some other tracks it almost sounded like bargain bin swans in a way like it sounded like <laughs> like, like 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 filth era swans no it sounded like lunacy like the the kind of the the oh, weird okay. yeah. spooky folk and like the, the kind of the group vocals they added some clarinet like some clarinet and viscera of men, some strings and some arrangements on coil, but it just felt like a little, just is not, ugh, just a little goofy. Um, you know, Flower Moon sounded like Cave In trying to write a stoner metal track and like not <laughs> not doing that well. And then Tongues Playing Dead, I that's probably the worst Kurt Blue riff I've ever heard. It honestly sounded like he was warming up. Like it sounded like a well, again. I, I I I think it's I think it's Brodsky. Like I, I, broad, think I think that that's you know what? Track. Whoever was playing guitar, it sounded like a warm up exercise. Like I'm not trying. Like again, I'm not trying to be too harsh, but it, it, I, mean, I guess that, that's kind of. It's like <laughs> like no offense, but your mother's a whore. Like that's a tough thing to say. <laughs> but like it literally sounded like he was just. It was like, is this the riff? So, and the thing for me is like I, I again I I felt like this like you said too many cooks in the kitchen. But at the same time, it's weird that they've all collaborated so so much before, and they didn't seemingly didn't have a lot of chemistry. Very disjointed. But the thing for me that I thought was most frustrating, I kind of took a bird's eye view. Why did this record happen? Because in a way, like I I understand it was you know after the you know after the road burn set there, but like Converge wasn't in a slump. Like the Dusk and Us was a great record. Yeah, Dusk and Us is fucking fantastic. Not only was it a great record. 
but it was them doing their sound, but then throwing it like they were trying some new things that worked. And I just, I was really, I was at a loss after this. And, you know, people, people are fawning over this because it's Converge. Um, I think people are being really defensive because, and again, I, I know I'm projecting, this might not be fair to say, but this in some ways feels like a too big to fail moment where because it's Converge, like you have to like this. So people mm. aren't admitting that it's not actually that good. Um, and again, I, I know that's not fair. People are allowed to their opinions, but I just, I'm struggling to, to see why people are so excited about this. I, I really don't think, I mean, there, there really was barely anything that sounded like actual Converge. Like, I don't understand why they didn't have at least one track that was just like a absolute scorcher. Uh, because I mean, they they gave Chelsea yeah. Wolf a track. They gave Brodsky a track. Like, why why couldn't why couldn't Converge have a track? Why couldn't they have something that was really fast and intense? Uh, so yeah, I I was really disappointed by this in a way uh, because at first first time I listened to it, I was like, okay, you know, this is kind of what I expected. Not really a fan, but the more I thought about it, I was like, the Duskinus was so good. Why does why is this bad? And also, like, why if they've spent so much time over the years collaborating on different projects, how did it not work? Like, how did it not click to this degree? I don't know. I yeah. I, I just, I, I had a hard time with this. I, I just, I you know, there were probably, like I said, three tracks that I enjoyed, like, all the way through. You know, it's, it, it's kind of funny. Like, we kind of came from, like, opposite sides and, like, met in the middle. Like, because, like, you were, like, you were psyched. I, I think to a certain degree for this thing, I, I was not looking forward to this. Um, <laughs> and I, as, as I listened to it more, I actually, I, I, I think I have a little more respect for it than I did initially. Um, but you know, at, at the end of the day, we end up meeting in the middle. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, it's like, I mean, I, I, I definitely, I, I enjoyed my time like the second time around, um, a little more, but, but still it, it, yeah. I mean, again, like, I, I really wonder whether, like, you know, I, I still feel like if, if Converge had written this without Chelsea Wolfe, I, I think that this would be, like, a very different, probably better album, frankly. Yeah. And, like, I, and I'm not even talking, like, if, like, I, I if they just did, like, like the doomy, like, post-metally sludge type of stuff for the whole album, but just without Chelsea Wolfe's, like, songwriting contributions or performance contributions, I think this thing would be still better. And I, I feel really bad saying that because I like Chelsea Wolf, but I, I just like I I don't know like what it, it seems like such a strange pairing in some ways, like I don't know like it, it it's it's like I don't know like you talk about chocolate and peanut butter, but like what about like chocolate and jelly? Like you know like sure like maybe it could work in some ways like I don't know chocolate covered jelly sticks or something, but like it's not something you really think of and it's not something you really want to think of in some ways because <laughs> because you already got chocolate and peanut butter dude <laughs> yeah no and and it's it, it just really feels like it which i don't know i just they've done this general style better and maybe it's just because yeah. of the scope you know you know a song like well if you want to talk about that too, I mean, just like the thing is almost an hour long, 
it, it it's just I, I it doesn't need to be an hour long. <laughs> yeah, but but you know I'm thinking of you know uh, Coral Blue and the title track on All We Love We Leave Behind. Um, yeah, you know some you know Cruel Bloom, Wretched World. Um, I mean even you know Plagues or you know Grim Heart, Black Rose. Grim Heart, like, yeah, Black like, Rose. yeah, like there's just. There's and you know obviously when you go even further back you know obviously the title track on Jane Doe there's this maybe it is just you know they're focusing on writing two to three quote unquote slow songs and just really pouring all their efforts into it and when they actually turn their attentions to writing you know eleven versions of that that's when they really faltered and maybe that's it I'm not sure but this was. Yeah, this was a tough listen. I I really was not, I was not impressed, and I, 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 I'm just I'm I really am surprised that more people aren't agreeing. Like again, it really does feel like a too big to fail moment. And like again, I don't know if that's unfair to say, but I just it's. I mean, I I feel like we've had a bunch of those this year. Yeah. <laughs> I mean the the new low album, the new spelling album, uh, you know, <laughs> just among many others. Um, I, I feel like that's just always going to happen. That you, you know you kind of have like an emperor's new clothes situation. Um, yeah, I mean I I don't disagree with you. It's just you know I I've kind of come to accept it. I mean in a world that thinks Kanye West is is worth listening to in this day and age, <laughs> you know, it's it's just like. Nah, <laughs> I've made my peace. <laughs> no, it's. Uh, I mean, I guess the other day, you know, good, good for you. It's always good when people enjoy music, but I, yeah. I just. Uh, I mean, I think I'm. I'm more concerned by the fact that you know this is labeled Blood Moon One. One. It's like, is there really going to yeah. be more? Uh, because this is. I doubt we're going to hear an actual like an actual other Converge album for a while now because Dusk and Us was what, 2017, 2018? Yeah. Um, 2017 sounds right. Um, let me just go clicking through it quickly. Um, yeah, 2017. So that was, you know, that was four years ago. Now we get this. Are we going to hear another project? anytime soon i don't know i just yeah but i i wonder if if maybe like we need you need to sort of keep your hopes up because like maybe it could be like a rotating you know cast of characters in a way that like maybe chelsea both is on this one but the next one will have like you know like steve on till on it or something yeah you know as like the main player i mean again this is maybe it's like a similar thing to uh what i said about aesop is that you know, like you said, Steve Until, you know, they've had a lot of, you know, have a lot of good collaborations with him. Um, uh, whoever the, I think they've had the, the main guy from the road, like the, the other, oh, Scott, uh, Scott Kelly from the road. Scott Ro- Kelly. I think he's been on it. Maybe I'm wrong, but, uh, I, yeah, I'm, I mean, good for them. Clearly they're doing something that they want to do but i yeah. i was just this is the first converge album where I, I had real real pause i was not not impressed yeah. um unfortunately but yeah do you uh you want to talk about albums of the week and sort of you know 
make, make, leave this on a positive note? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and I'm very excited to completely throw all my metal credibility out of the window with my <laughs> next pick. Um, oh, I can't wait. Went to Red Scroll Records in Connecticut, probably my favorite record store. Um, they were having a sale, so all the you know the typical three all their UCDs are three dollars, and because of the sale, I think they were like two fifty or something like that. Um, so I mean, I just I I just went hog wild, just anything that seemed interesting. Bought a lot of cool <laughs> stuff, and I have one fuck it pick that just I I'm so glad that I was like you know what fuck it it's two bucks who's who cares, and you know what. It's just one of those days. Um, <laughs> it was uh, it was time to get into Limp Bizkit. Um, <laughs> yes. I've never uh, never listened to a full Wh- Limp which Bizkit one? record, and recently, like I've been stocking up on corn, just been getting more into like new metal. So <laughs> I got their first two records, and holy shit. I mean, it's one of those things where, like, I was always, you know, Lip Biscuit is just super dumb, super silly, super ignorant <laughs> shit. But, you know what, in some ways that's kind of like saying, you know what, Lucky Charms is just sugary cereal with marshmallows. It's like, I mean, yeah, but that's kind of what it is. That's what it says it is. And this was just, and I don't want to say, I don't want to say this was more complicated or complex than I expected because it's, it's this is not complicated music at all. But it was definitely more involved. Um, like, I think the riffs, um, you know, obviously, West, yeah, West Borland, Borland, the, yeah. in terms of, like, the new metal universe, like, they're pretty well-written riffs. Um, DJ Lethal is a really good turntablist. Uh, the drumming, John Otto, <laughs> like, the drumming was really, really good. You know, for, for what was asked of him, I really enjoyed it. Um, I mean, just, you know, Just Like This was pretty good. Uh, but then the one-two punch of Nookie and Break stuff, I mean, come on. Like, come on. <laughs> it just, it was, it was so difficult to deny. The one thing I thought was really funny, and the best way to sum it up is with um, 1999, and it's written, like, Ugh. number, like, and then followed, like, in that song towards the end, like, Fred Durst starts mouthing off about, like, other MCs. Like, you know, kind of positioning yourself as a real rapper. On the very <laughs> next track, it's called End to End Together Now. The the song titles are dumb. But on that track, Method Man's a feature. And it's just so funny to hear him talking like Fred Durst talking about like other MCs and like framing himself as a serious rapper. And then to be just completely outclassed by like an actual you know, actual <laughs> rapper on the very next song. Um, I mean, again, uh, I think lyrically he does what he's supposed to do, but like he's such a <laughs> such a bad lyricist. Um, yeah. But again, he does. But even even then, like some of his singing, some of his like more like hardcore new metal vocals, like really fit the bill. Like this is just again for what they're trying to do. <laughs> it's just a super. It was like such a such a good time. Like this is. I feel like Limp Bizkit is what people think of. When they think of like like why new metal sucks, just like they picture Limp Bizkit, and like they're not wrong, but also, again, it's kind of what they're it's kind of what they're trying to do, and like I do get why people think it's silly, but 
it's still like a still a goddamn good time. Um, I don't know. <laughs> this might be my favorite album of the week pick that you've ever done, except for maybe uh, Jesus is King. Oh well, that that was just that was a mistake. I don't think this is a mistake. Like, or, I, was I, Jesus born? Jesus is King. It doesn't, I don't know. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So wait, wait, is it is it three dollar bill, y'all? Or uh, I was um, significant other. Uh, oh okay. I mean, yeah. I put that on first just because obviously, who doesn't? Everyone knows Nookie and Break Stuff. Um, yeah. For better or worse, because obviously Break Stuff has a, you know, it's kind of an infamous part of rock music <laughs> yes. lore because of Woodstock '99. Um, yeah. But uh, it's a. Uh, that is so fantastic. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's just like, I, even um, I put it on the car when Laura and I were driving. You know, you can probably guess that Lauren's not a big Limp Biscuit fan. I mean, even she was she was bobbing her head. You know, yeah. it's all about the he said. I was going to say if, if she didn't like it, I'm like Scott, you, you yeah. you're going to have to divorce her now. It's just one of those days. <laughs> like, it's just, it's just... She, she didn't like my Limp Biscuit. I dropped her like a sack of rocks. <laughs> oh man. Oh jeez, it's just yeah. It's again, like I said. It's like criticizing sugary cereal for being unhealthy. It's like, well, yeah. it's not really setting out to be anything what it, you know, what it needs to be. Um, yeah, but I think for, that's for sure. Like, not, not. I don't want to take too long like I usually do with my album of the weeks, but I feel like there's a difference between like music that's there's a difference between music like you know it's fun, but it's still like well, like well, it's well composed for what it's trying to do. And when people just try to write off music that is just not very good by saying, oh, you know, it's just fun, whatever. Like, there's there's worse new metal than Limp Bizkit. Like, there's a reason Limp Bizkit was, was popular. Like, I think that they they definitely executed the new metal formula in a way that was memorable, and they wrote some really good songs along the way. Um, so I think that... I'm not trying to do the whole cop-out. Like, oh, it's just fun. Like, who cares? Like, I think, like, on the merits, in terms of, like, what new metal was trying to do... I, I get the Limp Bizkit hype now. <laughs> All right. All right. This, this this has been a very illuminating episode. Yeah. I just, I thought it was funny that, like, we just, I tried to, like, I flex my metal cred and knowledge on Converge, and then I'm like, but yeah, I also yeah. love Limp Bizkit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. This, this is great. Yeah. Anyway. Well, all right. I guess I should talk about mine. Yeah, right? please do. Please do. Before, right, well, yeah. So, um... You know, I'm, you know, I've been really getting really into One of Tricks Point Never, uh, a lot. You know, I, I actually watched uh, both Good Time and Uncut Gems this weekend oh, nice. just because of the score, um, and that's why uh, this week my album of the week is uh, Sign of the Times by Prince. Oh, okay, that's <laughs> that was a little bit of a curveball, but that's fine. Yeah, yeah it'll turn around. Yeah, no, um, I, I it's nothing against One of Tricks. I, I just, you know. I, I've been listening to a lot of his stuff, but I had I had Sign of the Times on in the car, and like, I, it's been a while since I've had this on, and I just I love it. It, it like, I don't know. I I almost feel like like it doesn't have the icon sort of status that Purple Rain does, but like I feel like it's it's as good of an album as Purple Rain, and it's like it's a double album too, which is really impressive in my mind. Um, I, have you listened to it by any chance? Because I I. I I remember you saying that you've only listened to like Purple Rain and like Controversy. I have it and I listened to it once and I don't. Yeah. I don't remember it, uh, but I will put it back on and report back because I know it is yeah, uh, well regarded it is, in addition to his discography. 
It is so good, dude. Like, I mean, the title track, Playing the Sunshine, Housequake. I've had Starfish and Coffee in my head all fucking week. Um, you know, just, yeah, like, the, the second disc has, like, you know, you got the look and just, you know, just some great, great tracks all along this entire thing. It was just such a fun listen. Uh, it took up, like, an entire car ride for me, so it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's great. I listen to a ton of one of tricks. That's why my yeah, album of the week is I like is that. Prince. I like that bait and switch. Yeah. You know, I've I've been yeah. really listening to that album for a while just because I bought it um, when I was really like just I was peak. Like holy shit, Purple Rain is the best. I mean, I still think Purple Rain is a great album, but uh, I yeah. just like for whatever reason, I you know I think I think I got 1999 as well. Um, but I I need to I need to get more Prince in general. Uh, I think I just gravitate towards. Purple Rain, just because of how much I love that record, but oh yeah, obviously, I mean for, for good reason. It's a great album. Yeah, but obviously, uh, but I mean, Controversy is really great. I mean, nineteen ninety nine is obviously really great. Um, I mean, I, I I feel like I almost might like Sign of the Times more in some ways. Um, maybe, but I don't know. I, I mean, they, they're both just really good. I don't know. They, they, like all four of those albums are really great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, well. I'm just gonna leave it at that. <laughs> so, it's Limp Bizkit and Prince. Limp there you Biscuit go. And Prince. Yeah, we are. We are a There, there's some OJ in your cereal yeah. for you. We, we are a high class music podcast. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Love it. Well, until next week, uh, trashily yours. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, guys. And uh, if you're interested, uh, you know, if you want to hear more, just, you know, listen to us on uh, iTunes, Pod, Apple Podcasts, Android Podcasts, anywhere you can get a podcast, basically. Uh, we're on all of it. Uh, if you follow us on Anchor, too, you know, whatever works for you. And uh, definitely be sure to follow us on Twitter. And if you ever have any suggestions, topics you want us to talk about or questions, anything like that. Uh, be sure to email us. Yeah, uh, we're at, at Seishura Podcast on Twitter, and our email, I think, is Podcast at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, as always, thanks for listening. Yeah, appreciate it a lot. Bye.